Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Scott Cluthy's Love Cafe. Join us for the best in relationships, family, health, well-being, spirituality, intuitive development, the future, and the past. All present in the Love Cafe. The Love Cafe call in line 347-308-8478. That's 347-308-8478. And now, Scott Cluthy's Love Cafe. Well, it is great to be with you across America and around the world live on Blog Talk Radio this Wednesday afternoon. It is Scott Cluthy here live in the Love Cafe. It's kind of funny. When I think about today's guest, uh, I mentioned the best in relationships, family, spirituality. Maybe you ought to (laughs) also put in there overcoming your shadows because my guest, Dr. Eric Mizell, Really, his work um, summarizes all of those elements and more, and particularly his new work. Uh, Eric Mazel, welcome back to Love Cafe. Great to be with you. How are you? Hello, Eric. <laughs> I can't hear you. Well, I don't know if he's talking to me right now or not, Um, but uh, Eric, if you're out there, speak right up. Well, this is getting off to a wonderful, wonderful start with uh, my guest, Eric Mizell. We were just talking here, and now we're on the air, and I cannot hear him. I wonder if there's uh, problems with the blog talk radio system, it's not like that would be the first time that ever happened. But uh, I'm going to. Uh, I know. I know that uh, Eric, as author of his latest book, he's authored over 50 books. The latest one, "Overcoming Your Difficult Family." Right now, I'm overcoming my difficult technical difficulties, and I'm going to try dialing him on his cell phone and see if we might make a connection here because I. I really look forward to talking to Eric today about the new book, and this is really frustrating when you're live on the air. There's not much you can do about it, if you know what I'm saying. So let's take a crack at this and see if we can dial his cell phone and perhaps connect with Eric Mizell. I did not hear him connect to the air on Blog Talk, so that's very worrisome for me. It says it's dialing. Well, let's try and see if it works or not. Uh, because his work is so fundamental, so uh, so foundational to living the life we need to live and living it creatively and extraordinarily open and honestly as well. So I'm calling his cell phone right now. I'm not getting a response yet. And uh, so that's not working really well right now. This is very frustrating for me. Uh, We'll try and dial it again. Let's try it again. Here we go. And nothing like live radio when there's logistics going on where things are not working. And this seems to be one of those moments. All right. And we'll try it one more time. It's dialing. 
And it's great to have you. This is live radio. Oh, look, I heard a dial tone that time. That's really exciting. You never know, right? Hi, this is Anne. Please leave Let's me a message. Thank you. Bye. Oh. Oh, that's great. I got, I guess, his lovely wife, Anne, <laughs> on the self. Hi there. This is Scott Cluthy calling back for Eric, but I'm getting Anne instead. So I guess I got Anne's cell phone from the agent, which is kind of neat, but it doesn't do me any good because Anne wasn't ready for an interview. All right. Well, you know, it is live radio, like I said, and um, we continue on. So I'm going to, yes, let you sit and agonize as I dial again. Would you agonize for me together, please? There's nothing like live radio to really get you on the edge of the seat of your pants. All right, my dog, Max Dambolo, he's a shih tzu, by the way. He just mumbles. He just, he always goes the affirmative when daddy's got problems. and says, boo, 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 boo. Well, he just did that again. That happens too often during the daytime, actually. Right, Max? Yeah, Hello. Boo, boo, boo. Hey, there's a dial tone. Hi there, Dr. <laughs> Eric Mizell. Oh, we got that I separated. Think we got a better... Well, you know, it's uh, it's six degrees of separation, but we did connect, and I sure am glad that uh, whatever the, the telephone genies out there let us connect today, Dr. Eric Mizell. Welcome to Positive – well, I almost said it, didn't I? Love Cafe. I know I was I'm definitely ask. going into my past there. <laughs> when, may, may I ask you when you made the change? Uh, the first of the year. Okay. Um, my website is rebranded, Love Cafe, the show, my video work. And I felt that reflected the kind of change I was trying to bring. And, uh, you know, besides which, no one ever really understood what Positively Incorrect was about. Right. And, you had been uh, incorrect too long. A, yes, I've been leaking too much of my psyche all over America. So <clears throat> Love Cafe is actually... It's kind of a beautiful story, Eric. Sometime I'll share that with you about the creation of a whole concept for a, a cafe and a restaurant concept and using music. And it all happened from going to see, yes, the love show in Las Vegas with the Beatles. You know, one of those intuitive moments. And you know about following the muse. So, And it turns out they were trying to point me toward rebranding all my media as Love Cafe. And I do like that inclusive sound of it. So I hope you like that, too. So. I do, too. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, Eric Mizell is the author of more than 50 books, including his latest, the one I'm holding in my hands right here, Overcoming Your Difficult Family. And uh, Dr. Mizell has been my guest over the years, one of my favorite people actually to have on the air with me, even when he's babysitting, which happens later in the day, and I know about that. I'm shih tzu sitting right now. He's a retired family therapist, a creativity, and a life coach, and uh, his work uh, – in uh, Rethinking Mental Health for Psychology Today, the Coaching, the Artist Within column for professional artists so much, and he lives in the San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, the latest book is published by his wonderful publisher, which is one of my favorite people to work with, that's New World Library. And, um, you know, Eric, as even just reading the book and touching on things, it, it really resonates within me. And... Uh, uh, the title, folks, again, Overcoming Your Difficult Family, Eight Skills for Thriving in Any, in any Family Situation. And, 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 and Eric's work, Eric, you know, it's not about a template. It's not about cookie-cutter approach, but it very much is about understanding the archetypal patterns that run through our lives. And um, 
what was some of the main prompts for bringing this together? Because this is an incredible tool and and, and work, and your um, endorsements. I'm so impressed with the words of the endorsements of the professionals on your work, uh, especially Dr. Jampolsky, who I actually had the honor of uh, uh, working with so many years ago, um, doing some uh, holistic health uh, conference work here in Houston and, and just getting to know his work at that time. What about that impetus for bringing this all together, Dr. Mizell? The main reason is that I'm in a movement which has a variety of names. Some people call it critical psychology. Some people call it critical psychiatry. Some people call it anti-psychiatry. But it's a movement that doesn't believe in the current paradigm of diagnosing and treating mental disorders primarily with chemicals. And since so many people are receiving an individual diagnosis worldwide, but certainly epidemic in this country, whether for adults it's clinical depression or generalized anxiety disorder, or for kids it's ADHD or oppositional defiant disorder, so many people are receiving this individual diagnosis that we've gotten it into our heads that context and circumstances don't matter, that somehow a a child who's displaying certain what's called symptoms, certain challenging behaviors, is somehow unaffected by his parents screaming at the dinner table every night or by being bored in school or by a million things we could name. Somehow context and circumstances have stopped mattering in thinking about human relationships. And that should make no sense to your listeners, and it makes no sense to me. So I wanted to do a book that reminds folks that you may be suffering not because you have something called a mental disorder, but because there's a lot going on in your family life, in your work life, in the world that's distressing you and disturbing you, and that's what has to be looked at. How many how many people over the years, Eric, and I'm not talking about the life coaching. Uh, I'm also a coach, not at the level of the work you're doing, uh, but as a, as a coach, I mean the context of coach versus uh, a therapist, you know, and doing deep work with people on these issues. How many people, and I know that the two can align and the coaching can come as a result of overcoming those barriers we've created or taken on in the case of a family of dysfunction where we've maybe medicated or whatever reason, but really as a percentage, how many people actually need in your practice have ever really needed any kind of uh, prescriptive solution, quote unquote, which I find pretty horrifying anyway. I mean, the truth to tell. Yeah, I, you 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 understand that I, I don't think I can have a way to come up with a percentage, but let me let me say it the following no, way. No. Um, virtually no children ought to be on these chemicals because most of the no, symptoms agreed. that we're talking about, most of the symptoms that we're talking about are simply um, what childhood looks like. Maybe exaggerated, maybe out to an extreme, but just what childhood looks like. And to be putting kids at three and four and five and six years old on multiple chemicals, I think it's a, it's a travesty and it's really not legitimate. But for adults, I would say the following thing. For, for the thing called serious mental illness, which typically means schizophrenia and psychosis, it does look like the chemicals that are used 
do some good, but over the long term also do a ton of harm. So it, you'd have to look at each indiv individual case as to whether the good outweighs the harm. For things like generalized anxiety disorder or clinical depression, which I would reframe as sadness and despair, there we have tons of studies where 50% or 60% of the effect is the placebo effect. We'd have to really wonder if anything is going on there actually physiologically. But if somebody's in a deep, deep hole, if someone's suicidal, then maybe they need a chemical to get them through that moment so that they can then do some, something else to improve their lives or change their mood. So I can see limited times when chemicals ought to be used, but it really is limited, and they have to be looked at as chemicals with powerful effects and not as medication because there's no known illness there. There's the idea that there may be some illness there, but there's zero proof. There are no tests, no blood tests, no anything. The proof that there's no proof is that the average time that a new patient spends with a psychiatrist is, get ready, 15 minutes. What could be going on? What could be going on in those 15 minutes except a quick checklist kind of thing? It's actually not even a checklist. It's a transaction. I come in and I say I'm depressed. You nod yes. and say I'm depressed, and you start to write the prescription. So that prescription does not amount to medication because you have not identified any illness. It's just a chemical with a powerful effect. And I think the following analogy makes it very clear. If a rhino is raging and rushing at you, we have tranquilizer darts that can put it down, but that doesn't mean that we know anything about why the rhino was raging. We have done no investigating. We don't know if the rhino was mad at us or ill or, you know, ate some bad berries. Or, we have no idea what's going on there. It's just that we can put the rhino down. And that's what a lot of these chemicals do. They, they have an effect. And to repeat what I said earlier, maybe a human being wants that effect at a given moment. Maybe you're suicidal or off the rails in some way and you need that effect. It's just that it isn't medication. It's, so to speak, merely a chemical with a powerful effect. Uh, I'm speaking with Dr. Eric Mizell. His new book, Overcoming Your Difficult Family, Eight Skills for Thriving in Any Family Situation. Let's move that forward now into the life we're leading. And most of us as adults or would-be adults or senior adults like some of us and still dealing with issues. Sometimes it shows as sadness. Sometimes it's, you know, uh, whatever it might be. You know, you're you agitated. Uh, you're afraid. Uh, you can't stand before people in a, a, a room of people and talk. Uh, you start to uh, have feelings of inferiority, whatever it might be. And this includes things like uh, feeling weak versus strong, feeling stupid. You know, like you're stupid. Anybody ever been told you're stupid enough that you finally, finally think you are? Uh, being uh, hysterical instead of calm, being uh, uh, confused about wh what day is it or which bus to take. Oh, I, I can never get it right. I just, I just don't feel uh, uh, calm about life. You know, uh, being all these things. <clears throat> these things in our family, many times coming from our primary, like mother, father even uncles, 
maybe abusive, sexually abusive, abusive in other ways, in language, abusive uh, emotionally, which is some of the most invisible and insidious injuries I think people get are the emotional injury we get. Um, being told that you're a sissy, you know, you'll never be like that. It's like that commercial where the dad sits on the couch, says, oh, I just got a job at GE. And mom says, congratulations, dear. What are you doing? He says, I'm working on on whatever it is. And dad says, yeah, uh, here, I gave you your grandfather's hammer. Go ahead, pick it up. (laughs) And he looks at dad and mom, and mom says, you don't have Uh to, dear. And, of course, dad says, you can't do it, can you? Like that, that doesn't go away, does it, Eric? Those injuries, I don't care how old you are, if it's not dealt with, with the kind of system, the kind of clarity, the kind of tools that you've put in your new book, Overcoming Your Difficult Family. It really doesn't without some support. That's right. I I believe that's true. And, you know, I grew up interested in existential philosophy and existential psychology where the underlining had to do with personal responsibility. And it it does seem to be hard for folks to do the work necessary to, in my language, upgrade their personality. It's one thing to try to change or control someone else. We, we know we can't do that. Maybe we can influence family members, but we can't control them or change them. But we should be able to do some work on ourselves and upgrade our own personality. But that requires a certain kind of work, really at the level of tactics and strategies, where you do things on a daily basis, if you're an anxious person, well, then you actually practice and own some anxiety management technique that works for you. You know, if you're lacking in courage, then you actually take some risk. You know, people will often say they want to take risks. They just don't want them to feel risky, that kind of thing. So people have to do the things they either know to do or can learn to do, but they actually have to do them. And that's that unfortunately sets the bar high for most people. It's hard for folks to uh, adopt new strategies, even when they know they ought to. That's why I try to keep the, the strategies and tactics really simple in the book, because I think doing this for so many years that that's about all people can do are simple things. I'll give you a, a quick example around calmness. If your family is an anxious family, if you are an anxious person, well, you know that you want to be calmer. So one simple tactic that I have in the book is just get a snow globe, one of those things we all had as kids, and shake it, and as the snow settles, feel yourself settle. Use the settling snow as a kind of visual device to help yourself get calmer in the moment. Anybody could try that. That might not work for any given individual, but anybody could give that a shot and see if that uh, reduces their experience of anxiety. You don't have to say rosebud as you lay it on the floor, though, right? You do not have to say <laughs> no rosebud. You know that's not I in my of top. Trump letting go. Of <clears throat> that's not in my top ten list of movies. I, I don't know exactly why it's up there so high. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it with our our president of the United States of America. I had an image of rosebud as he laid. Can't help it. You know, I just want listeners to know. Listen, uh, uh, Dr. Eric Mizell is a little modest in the work he's doing. His work, you're a genius, Eric, uh, in the in relation to uh, propelling humans to challenge themselves to become whom they can be, their best possible self, 
and the incremental steps, uh, you know, uh, uh, to to making profound changes. And small steps can be profound changes. Even if it's sitting down with your mother who's holding you hostage with her will and last testament and because you would really like to go somewhere you've never been, but you're afraid that your mother says, if you do that, I'll disown you, whatever. Having the you-know-whats to step up and say, hey, Mom, <clears throat> I'm going to Tahiti. I love you, but I love me just as much and maybe more. And that's a very – I see people diminished human beings all around me every day. Sometimes I'm yep. that diminished human being. You know, no kidding. But somehow I was – fortunate enough to come into this world with a consciousness that said in the in, at 7 years old driving around in a in a station wagon in Columbus Ohio with gray skies with my eight brothers and sisters my father master sergeant in the front seat who liked to reach over and hit kids that, that he decided weren't acting the right way and my mother of course and the two of them going at each other saying I know there's a better place. I know there's a happy place out in the world. I want to get to that happy place and keeping my mouth shut as well as I could until 17 and then 18, and getting on a plane and flying to Houston. <laughs> and, of course, all hell broke loose as soon as I left the family dysfunction and um, because I found out that I was such a caregiver and caretaker, like the same work I'm doing now in a lot of ways. I was holding a lot of things together and holding way too much for a, a guy my age. Uh, but a lot of us are diminished in life and have these wounds, and they come in so many guises that it's like the fish in the water, isn't it? We don't recognize the water at all. We just think that's the way life is. Well, you said, you know, about 73 interesting things there. So let me let me just leap onto one. <laughs> um, okay. I have a I have a simple model of personality. The personality is made up of three parts. The first is what I call original personality, and you were sort of alluding to that already. The way you were born into the world. I think mm -hmm. we come into the world already somebody with um, certain kinds of proclivities and endowments, and anybody who's had you know, puppies or kittens or kids knows that every creature comes into the world itself. Psychology pays no attention to that, zero attention to the idea that human beings are different already at birth. And by paying no attention to it, it can't look at the, at the following possibility, namely that some people come into the world already a little sad or maybe a little more aware or maybe a little more anxious or this or that. These things then may become lifetime challenges. They're not mental disorders, but they may well be lifetime challenges. You will remember that in the Middle Ages, um, natural philosophers divided the world into four humors, one of which was melancholia. That is, thinkers believed that a full quarter of the human race was born sad. And if that's the case, if it's the case that various family members in your family were born whatever, a little sadder, a little more anxious, a little this or a little that, that's their original personality, the idea of hoping that they will change or the idea that you hope that you will change may just not be a reasonable idea. You're going to have to manage these difficulties and hopefully other family members will figure out ways to manage their difficulties. But these original personality pieces are not going away. Just to finish this thought, the second piece of personality I call formed personality, and that's sort of the person who accretes over time, the person we are that we, we repetitively look like in the world. And then the third part, and this is interesting to me, I call available personality. That's our remaining freedom 
to be the person we would like to be. If you take those three things together, for, um, original personality, formed personality, and available personality, I think it gives a person a really kind of robust model of how human life works and also signals what the task is for a person, which is to reclaim more of their formed personality so that more personality is available to allow you to be the person you would actually like to be. That's a, and 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 dear listeners, that's your journey, your sojourn. That's your well, I hate to say across the bear. Let's say your opportunity for um, opening up your potential. It is important, Eric, that people, if they have an interest in creative work in particular, and not being self-destructive with that work, which some people do. And Certainly. we see it all the time with musicians overdosing at the age at the age of 35. He was a great drummer, really, and then he shot up heroin and killed himself because he was so sad. You know, and it, and it's such a horrible waste of potential. Uh, well, we do sort of kill ourselves daily sometimes in the patterns we, we re repeat and what we allow into our personal space. And that's a very difficult uh, distinction between having the ability to understand what you're standing and communicating with, who you're being with, and who you're being at that time, versus being run by their program. Uh, and your book gives us tools to start to approach that program, if you will. I don't want to get too, you know, too uh, detachmentally mm -hmm. with that. Because it's all emotions, I think all these things come into it. But it does give us the tools uh, to start to um, challenge ourselves to approach these uh, these relationships in a way that we can come out empowered. And I don't mean in the sense of overcoming someone. I mean in in being a whole person of whole cloth on the other side and able to live with the reality of what you're talking about. Someone who is that sort of you know, foundational personality, and that's who they are. Uh, you know, trying to change the world doesn't work well, but changing yourself is pretty effective, isn't it? Yeah, and let me piggyback on, on some of those thoughts. Um, I work with creative and performing artists as a creativity coach. I've been doing that for more than 30 years. I know their issues yes. well. I've done individual books on creativity and depression, creativity and addiction, creativity and anxiety, etc., etc. One of the things I have to explain to my creative clients is that they had better not put all of their eggs into the creativity basket. That is, they had better identify multiple life purpose choices. And we talk about that, what that might look like. They're only maybe 20 large life purpose choices that human beings have discovered work for them in life, things like creativity and relationships and activism and service, etc. We could name them. Creative folks often want to put all of their resources, all of their human resources into their creative life, and that doesn't work. Um, you can be as talented and as productive as Van Gogh was for those two years in Arles and still commit suicide because the rest of your life isn't working. So 
I advise clients to do the work I'm saying, which is to identify their life purpose choices, or to say that more simply, to identify all of the things that are important to them, not just their music or not just their writing, but all of the things that are important to them. And then spend 30 seconds each morning doing a kind of life purpose check-in to see which of their life purposes they can get to on that day because days get away from us and we have to run errands and do day jobs and do other things. So it would be unreasonable to think it would be unreasonable to think that any human being could just spend their day living their life purposes. But if you spend that first minute thinking about this, well maybe you can do one hour of one life purpose, namely work on your novel for an hour, and do one hour of another life purpose, maybe have that hard conversation with your son about his drinking, etc. And by living this mindfully and this aware and by negotiating each day with yourself so that you actually know um, how you're meeting your meaning needs and how you're manifesting your life purpose choices, uh, human beings just feel stronger and better and, and more like they're actually living their life as opposed to just being pulled by the nose through life. Um, we cannot do justice to the great information and, uh, you know, even skimming the surface of the book because you have other commitments and we have about, you know, five, eight minutes left. So I'd like to right now make an invitation, Eric, that maybe in a month or two we come back and go deeper into the work, if that's okay with you. Oh, I would love to do that. Uh, I, as you know, as we I forget if we said it off the air or on the air, but um, my wife and I have new uh, one-year-old twin granddaughters whom we're babysitting, and we're back on duty shortly. And uh, they, they will be screaming, oh, and they'll be really? running. They'll be running in opposite directions. So uh, <laughs> we have to get our running shoes on pretty pretty soon. Well, believe me, uh, I now have one, two, three. Make that four granddaughters. And directly across from my studio to the galaxy is the princess room. And, yes, I'm loving what Emma's doing. She had to have a desk and a chair, just like her, her nana, Faye, my lovely wife, so mm -hmm. that she could have an office. And, yes, when she comes over here, she actually writes me letters and memos. <laughs> She's six years old. Exactly. I love it. And so that's actually what you were talking about just then, about the artist, wasn't it? Exactly, and I don't mean that they have to have children, but they have to have multiple. They, they need to know the many different things that are important to them, and they also need to know what they've actually experienced as meaningful in life. For me, meaning is a certain kind of psychological experience. You could have seven people in a room attending the same event and one person would find it a meaningful event and one person would find it a meaningless event and everybody would have a different feeling with respect to meaning about what was going on there. That's what meaning is. It's subjective. It's not some objective thing out there. It's not something to lose like a purse. It's a subjective psychological experience. <laughs> you know, and so people need to... <laughs> people need to um, think through what they've actually experienced as meaningful in their life. And it won't, I, I can bet you a nickel it won't be their, the seven years they spent in their Ph.D. program, but it might be the conversation <laughs> with they, what they, had, they had with Aunt Rose about family secrets or something. That may have been really meaningful. Or holding your granddaughter's hand crossing the street. That's really meaningful. Yes. Most people most people don't understand or or never thought through the idea 
of looking back retrospectively and just trying to identify what actually has felt meaningful in life because those are the things to try again. If you're in existential despair or in some kind of existential crisis, those would be the things to try again, those things which you experienced as meaningful previously. So true, so true. His website is ericmazel.com, and you just, folks, your gold mine uh, within, uh, he is one of the people, how long have I been doing this kind of work on the radio since the mid-70s? He is definitely in the top five of people who've made an impact on my life. A and B, the content of the work they do that I see that anyone who's willing to do a little work, and I mean the enjoyable work of discovering who you are and cracking open the egg and reaching a higher potential, uh, and, I, and you don't have to look at it as potential, I'm going to become Tony Robbins. Uh, no, I'm talking about the potential of your happiness, of your uh, being able to lay down on the pillow at night and sleep soundly. A lot of people can't do that. I've never taken something to go to sleep, thank God, except a prayer <laughs> or my love of my love of my life. <laughs> That's a pretty good solution to that problem. Uh, and uh, so, so th there's a way through the forest. There are pathways carved by those who've been willing, uh, 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 spontaneous, creative, and insightful enough to clear that path for us. Rather than wandering through the forest of our own disillusionment, uh, our own illusion, and our own dissolution into the sadness or falling into the so what and what so syndrome, you don't have to do that. You don't have to go there. And also, Eric, I think it's important, and I'm going to let you go in just a minute, but we definitely want to get back and do more of this work and go deeply into all the skills and the tools you've laid out. But you don't, you know, you, you don't have to say, well, and this is a classic one now because I'm working a lot with seniors, i.e. being one myself, oh, well, I'm too old now. Or, oh, you know, that was in the past and it's just, I can't change. That's not a good enough answer, is it? No, because our meaning needs and our life purpose choices don't end at any particular time, including, by the way, I don't know who invented weekends, but our meaning needs don't end on the weekends either. We have these needs day in and day out till the end of time, and these artificial ideas about retirement or weekends don't actually serve us. We have to live our life purpose choices all the time. Yes, so true. The new book is Overcoming Your Difficult Family, Eight Skills for Thriving in Any Family Situation. I highly, highly recommend it for an opportunity for you to discover uh, for yourself the strength and resolve you have within and the possibility of standing so strongly in who you are that you can actually come to face to face with Aunt Matilda. <laughs> about that pecan pie she makes you eat when you're actually allergic to pecans. And that may not sound like a big deal, but if you're allergic to the pecans, it sure as hell is. It's about time to stop eating that pecan pie, I would say. <laughs> I think that until what she doesn't re realize is, and God bless her soul, she leaves the chips of the pecans in the damn pie. And somebody's going to die someday. 
Amatil. <laughs> it's lethal. That sounds like anyway, a that sounds like a perfect perfect note to end on, don't you think? I would say so. Well, uh, Grandpa, <laughs> 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 hey gra- Gramps. <laughs> mm-hmm. I always go with Fa. My grandfather was Fa. He was a magician. He was the the epitome of what grandfathers are supposed to be. So shall we all live up to that model? Eric Mizell, it's ericmizell.com, the new book, Overcoming Your Difficult Family, New World Library. We will have you back, please. We'll schedule that. And you have an absolutely fabulous time with those granddaughters. Okay, Eric? Thank you so much. Great to be with you again. It's an honor, sir. Honor's all mine. Thank you. We'll talk to you again then in Love Cafe. Okay, bye-bye. Stay with me, folks. I have some uh, really great – actually, what I'm going to be doing is featuring some great music here in the Love Cafe, and I'm interested in expanding the show and including more great music because music's been a part of my life in radio since the 70s. Uh, I've hosted many music programs, but I've not really brought that to – blog talk radio so i've got some exquisite music to play for you on the other side of the break and also to tell you about some great upcoming guests live every wednesday here on love cafe with your host scott cluthy so do stay with me and then hang out in the love cafe with some really groovy tunes and we'll be right back after this uh, mid-show break this is scott cluthy we'll be right back with more from the love cafe Don't forget our call-in line, 347-308-8478. And visit the Love Cafe on Facebook. Just look for Scott Cluthy's Love Cafe. We'll be right back. Hi, Scott Cluthy, host and producer of Love Cafe Radio and Love Cafe Video and other media as well. Glad you're listening tonight. Have you ever thought about hosting your own radio show? Well, as a graduate of Coach University and a professional broadcaster over 30 years, I can guide you to your dreams of having your own talk show that sounds professional and is professional. Every aspect of your show, from the scripting to the concept to the execution, you'll be a professional in broadcasting after working with me, either on a monthly basis for long-term or short-term. To increase or improve your abilities as a broadcaster and do better programming, attract a larger audience, and even more quality guests because of the quality and professionalism of your broadcasting. I'd like to help you. Give me a call, 832-846-5270, or write to me at scott at lovecafehouston.com. And let's have a conversation about you becoming the potential radio star that's there within you today. Thanks. Welcome back to the Love Cafe with Scott Cluthy. Our call in line, 347 308 8478 for tonight's guest. Glad to have you in the Love Cafe. Now, Scott Cluthy and the Love Cafe. Well, I, I do hope you stayed with me, and I think you'll be glad you did. And I want to tell you about some of my great upcoming guests. Now, a week from today, um, I will be joined by Dr. Carmen Hara. And Dr. Hara is one of the most gifted intuitives I've ever met, a dear friend. She broadcasts on W. Uh, ABC out of New York City on Sundays. Her show is so popular. It's the most popular call-in show on the station, as a matter of fact. They're moving her to a new time slot, and 
Carmen and I will be talking and taking your personal calls, talking about our sense of what's going on in the world intuitively and Carmen's ideas about where we might be headed, which right now, let's face it, it's a little scary in the U.S. of A. So, uh, and around the world in a lot of different ways. And maybe that's some misplaced fear. Maybe that's on the precipice of a breakthrough. Who knows? But we'll be talking with Carmen live a week from now. The week after that, I'll be having a great guest, Suzanne Sherlock Durana. She's the author of Reclaiming Your Body, Healing from Trauma, and Awakening to Your Body's Wisdom. That's going to be a great show. Uh, she's healing from the core curriculum combined with what she calls craniosacral therapy, which if you've had body work, you'll know what that is. But this is all about complete body-centered guide to awareness, healing, and joy. And so we'll be looking forward to talking with Suzanne Sherlock Durana. And that's in two weeks. And also I'm going to be scheduling Steve Alton. Uh, Steve Alton is a New York Times bestselling author of Megan and Domain. His new book is called Undisclosed, a novel we've been lied to. And uh, three years ago, uh, he was uh, given access to testimonials from military intelligence regarding the undisclosed truth about UFOs, extraterrestrials, secret subterranean bases, and zero-point gravity. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're going to be uh, reaching out to Steve to have him on the show. And uh, it should be a lot of fun, very interesting. And uh, and just uh, an eye-opening interview, undisclosed, from Steve Alton, his new novel. Uh, but he uh, <laughs> he seems to feel that uh, 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 that a lot of what's gone on with the whole UFO, you know, unknown and all that, is just not revealed to us. So we're going to be talking to Steve about that and much more here on the Love Cafe. Right now, though. You know, one of the things I've been doing is taking great records, and boy, do I have some records, and 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 getting them and turning them into MP3s so that I can uh, record them on the CDs, that kind of thing. Because I'm talking records from like 1961, 1970, and so I mean, great classic recordings. And I wanted to share some of that with you today here in the Love Cafe because I'm all about the music, believe me. So I'm going to play a couple of cuts uh, as we go out of the show today. And look forward to you joining me. Don't forget about our Facebook group, Love Cafe. I'd love for you to join Love Cafe on Facebook. And then uh, we'll be generating the newsletters soon to all of our, our followers out there here. And uh, love having you on Blog Talk. Don't forget I have over 800 shows on Blog Talk Radio, way stretching way back. And you can find great shows from five, six, seven years ago. I try to do really elementary programs on solid information that can transform your life in different aspects, and it's not just the passing news of the day, sort of like the work with Dr. Eric Mizell. Uh, we're going to start with something that's really great from one of the greatest pianists and jazz musicians of the last 40 or 50 years, and that's Herbie Hancock. And uh, he, you know, Herbie Hancock was so is so talented, was so talented, and has created so many great albums of jazz. He's still with us. That this is one when Herbie went electronic, if you will, and with his group, the Headhunters, and the classic interpretation of Herbie Hancock of the great song, Watermelon Man. Mm-hmm. 
Watermelon Man from the Headhunters album from Herbie Hancock. And when I say album, yes, I'm talking about vinyl. <laughs> you know, like we said, vinyl is final. And of course, as things are in the world, it's come back around. It's more popular, you know. I mean, it's like, no, it's not dead. I do have an 8-track machine in here, by the way. <laughs> it's built into this incredible German radio I'm looking at right now. I have to go find some 8-tracks, too, just to slap those in to see what happens next. This is the Love Cafe with your host, Scott Cluthy. I'm uh, live in Houston, Texas, actually. Wherever you are, it's great to have you out there. You can always send me notes, ideas. Or thoughts. If you'd like to hear more music on the show or you enjoy it, whatever it might be, do write to me on my email. It's scott at lovecafehouston.com. That's scott at lovecafehouston.com. If you're interested in being a sponsor, or advertiser, what have you, I'd be happy to work with you. I've had over 600,000 listeners to the show, and uh, uh, there's a lot of listeners out there who listen to the show. And uh, most of the time, it's interesting. I've had to adjust to this idea of podcast people listen to things later. But we are live, and I love that. So there's that. And join me on Facebook in the Love Cafe uh, group. And uh, also, lovecafehouston.com is a website there. It's got a lot of my video work, some of my comedy, and different things I've done over the years. Uh, speaking about music, back to music, uh, one of the greatest bands just induced into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame finally. Yes, right? Yes, what a great, great uh, band, what great music, how creative. And it was funny because I was listening to some Yes music after pulling out all this classic jazz I've been playing lately for some, you know, just got into my jazz thing, if you will, and thinking about how that was really uh, rock jazz, very much so. You know, a lot of progressive jazz and the ideas of jazz have open-ended and um, working around a melody or a theme and uh, giving the freedom of the players to do what they will. And uh, while it's not a straight linear line, it is terrific. So here's a little piece of Yes from uh, the great album, Fragile, probably their greatest album. This is the short of edited rendition of Long Distance Runaround. There we go.
They sure edited that. <laughs> That's a, just fades out there. It goes into the beautiful, beautiful midsection of long distance runaround. But uh, we don't have time to run around that much. This is a Love Cafe with your host Scott Cluthy live on Blog Talk Radio this Wednesday afternoon. Great to have you out there. And remind you, next week, Dr. Carmen Hara is my guest. At Five o'clock Central, six o'clock Eastern. Uh, that'll be uh, three p.m. Pacific. Uh, taking your questions and comments, and a world-class intuitive, author of many best-selling books, uh, host of her own show on WABC out of New York, and a good friend of mine for many years. And then we've got some other great shows coming up as well. Do sign up. Uh, go to Love Cafe, uh, the group on Facebook. I'm going to leave you with some last piece of music. This is actually my original theme. I'm I'm sort of teasing with it on my new show, Love Cafe, which is, you know, the same show I've been doing for years. But I originally started with this uh, for uh, – I played this for 18 years on Pacifica Radio here in Houston, 90.1 FM, KPFT, where I had uh, 22 years of service there in community radio. also became the program director. My show was called Vibrations. And so I'm going to play the original theme music. The beauty about this thing is this is really wild, and this is all computer-generated music, but this is Jean-Michel Jarre from France. And uh, – he has an, a great album back from then called Equinox, which is, sounds as relevant today as ever because it's that kind of music. But the funniest part is I got this cut of the album, a beautiful blue vinyl disc, and I played it at 33 and a third on my show each week and I opened the show. And it's this is funny. This is a very Scott Cluthy kind of thing. It took until I was off the show, off doing the the radio show, that I realized it was actually a 45, meant to be played at 45. (laughs) But I think it sounds much better at 33. And I think you'll agree. This is the original Vibrations theme, 
as we leave today, Love Cafe. But uh, it'll continue on for those who are listening online. It's about uh, six minutes long because I played it at 33 instead of 45. Till then, ciao, ciao from the Love Cafe and Scott Cluthy. Great to have you out there. Yeah.